You're listening to TIP. On today's show, I sit down with New York Times bestselling author Gary John Bishop. Starting as a musician from Scotland, Gary has become one of the leading personal development experts in the industry, having worked with numerous CEOs, company executives, and professional athletes. His urban philosophy approach represents a new wave of personal empowerment and life mastery that has caused miraculous results for people in the quality and performance of their lives. Gary is always willing to say what needs to be said, and he helps you achieve the greatness you once imagined, except it's bigger, better, and more incredibly freeing than you dreamed it could be. In this episode, you'll learn how to get out of your head, into action, and change the trajectory of your life. Get ready to hear a very inspiring and thought-provoking conversation with Gary John Bishop. You're listening to Millennial Investing by the Investors Podcast Network, where your host, Robert Leonard, interviews successful entrepreneurs, business leaders, and investors to help educate and inspire the millennial generation. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Robert Leonard, and I'm very excited to have Gary John Bishop here with me today. Welcome to the show, Gary. Hi, Robert. Thanks for having me. So let's start by talking about your story. Talk to me a little bit about from where you came from, where you are today, and why you wanted to write your books. So I'm originally from Scotland. I left Scotland in 1994. I used to be a musician, and I came to the United States basically just to go on a short vacation. But luckily for me, I, I got a record deal here, and I... I eventually made four albums and I toured a bit. Obviously never became famous or wealthy or anything out of that. About about 15 years ago, a relative of mine suggested that I do a personal development workshop, which just, you know, it just sounded like the worst thing on earth, right? The whole idea of doing some workshop. But I did it, you know, and it just really piqued my interest in developing myself because I'd never done anything like that. I'd always been like this kind of hard working, grind it out kind of guy. And the more I got into it, the more I realized not only was it making a difference for me, but I was able to talk to people about it and it was kind of piquing their interest too. So not long after that, I went into this really kind of intensive training and development to become a facilitator for one of the world's largest personal development companies. And I traveled all over the world doing that. Um, I delivered programs to just about every corner of the planet you can imagine. And then about five years ago, I quit that. I stopped doing that, and I, and I went into my own little private coaching business. So anyway, I uh, I was coaching like CEOs and major business owners and some athletes, you know, how to handle their lives, how to be somebody who can perform, how to be somebody who can take what you're doing to a different level by uncovering something important about yourself. I, I continued to do that. My business was thriving. It was doing awesome. My marketing people had asked me if I would be willing to write a book. After I'd kind of got over the idea that I was resisting it, right, because I didn't want to do it. But after I'd got over that, I thought, well, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it right. So I spent, spent about a year writing the book. The book is, is, is a kind of grounding in very much how that was my first book which is grounded in a lot of the methods that I use to coach people. I I self-published it. And in something like five and a half months, we sold 30,000 copies. So I knew I was on to something, right? I knew that people wanted to. 
And I should add, by the way, that I know my books have curse words in the title. It seems very popular now to have a curse word in the title of your book. It was not popular when I did it. It made marketing my book a lot harder then than it is now. Why didn't they like it? Because when you said that that made it harder to market, I was kind of surprised by that. Yeah, yeah. It makes it stand out, but you can't advertise it. So you can't. Like you try putting it, you try boosting a post on Facebook, they'll reject it. Try putting it on Instagram, they'll reject it. Try buying an ad on Amazon, they won't accept it. There was nowhere online that would let me advertise my book. Because the minute I said, here's the title of the book, no, we don't do that. It's an expletive in the title. But no, it made it really hard. And then it was the same like getting on a radio or television or something. You talk about the book. No one was interested. I mean, since then, I mean, I've done a bunch of stuff in television now. But three years ago, you know, I mean, they were just no way. You know, I mean, you can imagine going on to the Today Show, right? You know, what are they going to do with that? But the... But the response to the books has been so overwhelming that in many ways, a lot of media outlets really don't have a choice because the demand is there. People want to hear me talk. I wasn't willing to just kind of water it down to make it safe for precious ears or something, you know. And I respect other people like, you know, they find it offensive. I get that. And, you know, and I I respect that. But at the same time, I'm not backing off, you know, because... I didn't want to get to the age of 60 or 70 or 80 and be like, you know, I should have done. I'm not doing that life, you know. I'm doing the life where it's like I'm all in and it went the way it went, you know. So is that, is that why you had to self-publish rather than going the traditional publishing route? Well, I, I didn't go the traditional publishing route because I just didn't fancy my chances, you know. I mean, I just, it seemed like there, there was just too much. What I felt as if was people were, with all the best intention, but I thought people were emboldening and empowering people being victimized. You can do it after the way all those people treated you, or which is fine to a point. But I was more, I wanted to use some really powerful philosophy that my work is based in the work of people who I would say are a gazillion times smarter than I am. But I wanted it to be, I wanted to be philosophically sound. And, you know, my, my kind of interest is in existentialism. I mean, that's kind of like what I'm, that's, I guess you would say that's, that's kind of the, the little space where I kind of burrow away in. And a fundamental tenet of existentialism is responsibility. At some point, if you want to get out the hole, you have to realize you put yourself in it. And so a, a lot of my, my kind of talks and the stuff that I was putting online in my book flew in the face of a lot of personal growth work. You know, just it was, it was like, I, and I even said at the time, I'm like the anti-self-help, self-help guy. Arguably more than ever that people are putting the blame on everybody else rather than themselves and taking responsibility for it. How, how can and, and should someone fix this type of dynamic in their life? First of all, I don't, I don't buy into that society is doing this to me, right? I don't buy into that. You know, I've turned out, the way I've turned out because of certain agreements that I've made along the way. Like I might've agreed with what somebody else said. I might've said I don't agree, but somewhere in here I agreed, right? So if somebody says you're a loser and somewhere in here I went, yes, I am. So I don't, I don't, I don't kind of ascribe to the notion that there's some kind of big influence outside me that's working to kind of dominate me. I don't, I don't ascribe to that. First of all, I just don't think human beings are that smart that they, they're all getting together to get at me, you know? 
and it's all coordinated, you know. However, I am influenced, but I'm the influenced. Like, it's up to me what I'm influenced by. So I don't blame people, for instance, for blaming other people. I don't think that's the shock of the universe, right? Like, oh, my gosh, you blame other people? When did you start that? I mean, we're kinda, it's kind of how we do this life. We, we, we grow into an environment where we learn accepting responsibility as some kind of burden. It means I'm to blame for something, but I'm in trouble, right? Which is not the responsibility that I talk about. The responsibility that I talk about is much more akin to ownership. Like, I, I, I might not have had a say in a lot of the stuff that's happened in my life, but I have the say about where this is going now, or how this unfolds in front of me. And, and it feels like I'm up against, I'm probably not up against it, but it certainly feels like I'm up against societal conversation for people that have been victimized, right? I'm somehow not compassionate for people that have been victimized when nothing could be further from the truth. There's a massive difference between being victimized about something and then becoming a victim as a way of life. So I can be, I can be the victim of something for sure, right? But the thing is, does it become a way of life? And for those people that it has become a way of life, I assert they don't want to live that way. They kind of got stuck that way. And that's where I come along. I come along to give people an alternative to getting out of whatever situation or stuckness they've gotten themselves into. Jocko Willink wrote the book Extreme Ownership, where you know he talks about taking extreme ownership of, of your responsibilities and things like that. So this idea of, of not blaming others and really taking responsibility and not being the victim of things help people achieve their potential in business. My success has got nothing to do with you. Whether I'm successful or not has got nothing to do with you. And I mean like nothing. And my accomplishments in life, I don't need permission for them. So I don't, I'm not out to make somebody like me or something. I'm not out to have your agreement to my success. I, put, I do things in such a way that you have no choice but to buy it. You don't experience any choice. You feel as if now you have to buy it because it's so what I want it to be, right? So that includes my books or my videos or those kind of things. I know people will respond to it because I made it that way. I made it so that it would speak to you, like it would really get to you and not in a kind of superfluous way, but in a, it resonates with you. So there's no, like, I'm not trying to get somewhere. I really don't have that experience of like in life where I'm here and I'm trying to get over there. My experience in life is that I'm at work on just presenting and presenting and presenting an unstoppable case for what I'm doing. And I just keep doing that every day. It's just an unstoppable case for what I'm doing. Now, if you think about business, like if, if a major business took on, and I always start at the end of everything I do, I start at the end. Okay, I start with, there I am, it's done. Okay, what am I doing right now that's aligned with that? Right? Or what's in the way right now of that thing? I mean, I have a lot of failures, but I, I don't have the experience of that I'm up against anything. I certainly don't ascribe to things like luck, you know. I mean, I, I do ascribe to timing a little. Sometimes the timing's not right. But ultimately, my success and everybody who's listening to this right now, 
you're the only one that's going to make it happen. And sometimes you have people that don't agree with you. Sometimes people advise you in something else and think you should do this and that and this. And this is all fine. But ultimately, your success, it's on you and it's down to you. And you're either going to come from this space of like this kind of unstoppable force of nature that just relentlessly keeps putting out. And again, in business, it would be like, am I taking the actions that are consistent with the outcome that I said would happen? Or am I getting distracted? Am I following in some, am I doing another rabbit hole, which we do? Am I continually every day, as I call it, revealing the future that I created? Am I revealing it or is it still out of touch? Is it a little closer? Is it a day closer? Is it two weeks closer? So my, I view success is just all a matter of when. It's nothing to do with if it happens or not now. Let's take a quick break and hear from today's sponsors. Hey everyone, it's Patrick, your host of Millennial Investing. Every year, my buddies and I do a guy's trip to escape the cold and dreary Ohio winters. Once we pick our destination, without fail, we all jump on Airbnb and find an incredible place to stay. We just got back from an amazing trip in Palm Springs, California, and our Airbnb home was a huge part of creating memories we'll never forget. I loved it so much, I'm taking my family back to Palm Springs for spring break, and we're staying in an Airbnb home my kids fell in love with and picked out themselves. While I was there, I had the realization that my own home could be an Airbnb. It's an excellent way to earn some extra cash, whether you're saving up for your next vacation, paying off some bills, or investing. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. That's airbnb.com slash host. Hey guys, have you ever wondered if there's an AI tool like ChatGPT specifically built for the stock market? A tool that not only does the research and analysis for you, but also allows for dynamic discussions? Well, wonder no more. Meet Meka, your AI-powered stock research assistant, now enhanced with real-time stock data. Let Meka do the heavy lifting for you to significantly reduce your research time. And the best part, Meka is 100% free. Ask Meka questions like, explore the financial health of Apple through a summary of its balance sheet. Compare the financial statements of Apple and Tesla. What is the analyst price target for Microsoft? What is the social sentiment analysis of Amazon and millions of other queries right at your fingertips? Visit Meka.com. That's M-E-Y-K-A.com. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting fundrise.com slash millennial investing. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at fundrise.com slash flagship. This is a paid advertisement. All right, back to the show. And you talk a lot there about action and having to actually take action. And that that brings me to one of my favorite quotes in your first book where you said, you are not your thoughts, you are your actions. You are what you do. And your actions are the only thing separating you from where you are and where you want to be. So if, if you or any of your listeners think about it for a moment, and I know this goes, this, that's, that statement at the time 
went so against what was popular in the self-development space. The person, the self-development space at the time was saying stuff like, change your thoughts, change your life. You can change your thoughts and still do the same stuff. If you examine your own life, if you look at life as a thing, as an abstract or a concept, life only, and I mean only, ever moves in the paradigm of action. So it only changes in the paradigm of action. You don't change your life by any other vehicle. And you can take that statement and run it down as many rabbit holes as you like, and you'll come back to that it's it's about as close to a truth as you'll get anywhere. Given that life only changes in the paradigm of action, so that is, if I want to lose weight, I only lose weight by taking the actions that losing weight would do. I don't get to lose weight by feeling more confident about it. If I want to change my career, I only get to do that in the paradigm of action. I'm either going to change it or I'm not going to do it. I might get more knowledge. I might feel better about it, but that won't change it. So life only changes in the paradigm of action. And again, this was like a big problem in that personal growth space at the time when I released my first book, because it was so focused on how you feel. So people were reading books, trying to feel different so that they could then do different. So I'd be like, I'm going to read this confidence book because clearly I need some confidence, right? And in my second book, I blow up the whole myth of confidence. Confidence is a myth, right? And particularly in sports where I have coached some high-performing people. Because you'll hear it in sports all the time. People say stuff like, um, oh, yeah, she just needs a bit more confidence. And then I think, well, how did she get it in the first place? Well, she got it by hitting some shots. Okay, was the confidence there when she hit the shots then, the first time? And the answer is no. How you break out of a slump is by hitting a shot. You don't break out of a slump by getting confidence in hitting a shot. You actually hit the shot, then get the confidence, which tells you that human beings can perform even when they don't feel like they can. Human beings can do when they don't feel like doing. Human beings can operate in ways that go beyond their current internal state. So the whole point that I wanted people to get is get your eye on the prize. What is it you're, what is it you're out to get done? But if you focus on changing how you feel about what you're going to get done, that'll be a long pathway, which again, pissed a lot of the mindset people off because they were like, no, no, positive mindset. I'm like, dude, some of the greatest things I've done in my life, I've done it with a negative mindset. How does that even equate? Then I would be screwed. You know, I, I wrote my first book and my thoughts almost every day were this sucks and I can't do it. And I did it. And then I did it. And, and I think that's the same for many people and many people who are listening to this right now. You don't need to be positive to do positive things, to do confident things. You don't need to experience courage to do courageous things. What you have to do is take the actions that would be an example of you being courageous. And I'm not saying fake it. I'm saying do it. I'm not asking you to fake courage. You can say I'm terrified and do it. You say I have no confidence and do it. I'm not saying fake it. I'm just that you can be authentic and say, you know, I, I feel, you know, like this way, but I'm going to act this way. You know, like I, I, I'm pretty much 
living evidence of what I'm saying. Like I'm, if I lived my life completely by how I feel, I think I'd spend about 80% of it in my bed. That is so, so interesting to me because you hear so many people these days, you know, you have to have a positive mindset. You, you have to go into it with a positive mind. It's so interesting that you kind of take that and flip it on its head. Do you think having a positive mindset helps or do you think it doesn't have any effect? Yeah, but it's not necessary. You know, I'm not going to spend my life working on how to get positive as life is like skimming past me. And I'm like, I'll get with you guys in a minute once I'm more positive. It's very freeing to understand that your life only ever changes in the paradigm of action. It's very freeing because you can take actions all the time. And there's many, many, many people in our society that think because they feel a certain negative way, there's something wrong with them or they're broken or there's something not right with them. And I want you to get, you're not broken. You know, if you want, you can change your life too, just like everybody else. So I've always kind of had this, I don't know, just this kind of skepticism of this drive towards positivity. You know, look, if you want to be positive, I'm fine with that. You know, it's good. Good for you, you know. But to then hold everybody else to that standard and then come up with the idea that unless you're positive, you can't do something. Well, that's just a big lie, right? That's just a big lie. And I really also feel as if part of a very healthy relationship to yourself is to embrace all of your states, not just your positive ones, but your negative ones. Like the ones that say, I can't do it, is to embrace it. It's fine. It's okay that you say that to yourself. So many people I've met over the years, you know, like, I don't believe in myself. I say, I don't care. Do it anyway. You don't need to believe in yourself, which is another great illusion. Oh, you have to believe in yourself. You don't have to believe in yourself. You can actually do it anyway. You can believe that you can't do it and do it, right? They can coexist. All you need is just to understand the places where you typically back out and in those moments, push through. What are people's objections after you tell them that? Because that's usually their only excuse. And once you take that away, they have nothing else. It's amazing how when you kind of dismantle some of the fantasy that we've built up in our own minds, okay? And look, I'm a human being too. I'm not on a plinth here, you know, like I'm above everybody else. When you start to dismantle some of the kind of structures that people have put together to keep living the life they've got, some of the stuff that I propose to people, I say to them, look, don't believe me. Just hang with it a bit. Just hang out with what I'm saying. And in that process of you hanging out with it, the truth will arise. You'll see it yourself and you'll see that your life could change. And it could ch- start changing today. Like at the end of this sentence, your life could begin changing. Very often, like I said, I'll find myself talking to people in such a way, they'll actually argue for, they'll make a case for why they should stay in it. Like, like they want to be in it. They'll say, oh, that can't be done. Or you can't. And I'm like, do you know you're actually giving everybody your brain power to why it can't be done? Like, why aren't you talking to me about, tell me, Mr. Scottish guy, tell me how to do it. It's not. It's, it's, oh, well, this is good. I mean, you're making some very good points, but not for me. It won't work for me because when I was born, I never knew my parents. Or major life change is invariably very disruptive. And for the most part, that's what people are avoiding. People want radical change in a really comfortable way. You know, it's like, oh, yeah, I want to make lots of money. 
let me find out how to do that easily. So they go online looking for something that they can do, right? Which you're, you're invariably limited because if you're out, so finance, finance is a good example. If you're out to produce a financial result beyond anything you've ever done, you've got to start looking at the things that you think you can't do. Because the things that you think you can do, that's what got you into the financial mess you're in. That's not going to get you out of this, right? That I could maybe be, consider that, well, what if I could do that? My view on finances is that they're all paradigms of success. They're all like, you're only ever playing the financial game that you at some level believe you can win, ever. This whole conversation brings me back to one of my favorite quotes, and that is, you can't just work on the days you feel good. You'll never get anything done. Look, if, you've, if you have a passion as a human being, right? If you like, for instance, if you like cycling or you know, painting, or if you've got a passion, you'll notice when you go to engage with that passion, you don't have to get yourself up for it. You get embroiled in it. Whether your passion, again, is sports or arts or music or whatever, when you're in it, it's like everything else disappears. When I was a musician, we would practice, you know, hours and hours and hours and hours and hours every day. And there were times in practice when I'd be playing and I'd get lost in the playing. Like I'd be so in it. In those moments, I had no problems. That's the same across the board in your life. Whatever you authentically give yourself to, you will become wrapped up in that thing, your life, you'll start to experience the ways of being that one would when I'm authentically engaged with something. Like people go running and get lost in it. They're just like, it's like there's no noise in their head or they paint or they read and it's like they get into it. Well, where's all your negative thoughts then? Well, they're not there. Well, why aren't they there? Because you're authentically engaging, with, engaging in something that you're inspired by. Well, what if you just did that in various areas of your life? What if you just gave yourself to what inspires you? You might have a different life. So what actions can someone take? And this is very, I see this very often is what if somebody wants to start their own business and they want to branch out on their own, they have a good idea and they want to pursue it, but you know, they try to get help on social media or they talk to their friends and family about it and all they get is rejection and criticism. How, what are the actions that somebody can take to actually get over that? There's one little piece that I think sets people apart. Every single successful person, all of them, in the area of life that they were successful in, had one thing in common. All of them. And the one thing in common that they had is that the thing they were up to was bigger than anything. And that they made giant leaps in those areas even when life presented them with overwhelming evidence to the contrary. It all comes down to this ever-growing relationship to yourself, that what you say is more important than how you feel. Most people don't keep promises to themselves. They'll maybe keep them to other people, but they don't relate to the promises that they make to themselves as being important. They're like, well, I can just forget that now because, you know, it's raining, so... I said I was going to run every day, but trying it. So you don't realize the kind of gumminess that starts to show up. Most people don't make bold promises and bold commitments. They just know. They're like, they've, they've had too many times when they just never do it. 
we are addicted to how we feel. I'm not getting up because I feel tired. But you could get up and feel tired. So most people just succumb to their body. They succumb to their confusion. They succumb to other people's opinions. And the, tr- the people, the high operators in this life, in the areas where they operate at a high level, you'll see their word that is what falls out their mouth is more powerful than anything else. And by the way, I should add, if your listeners spent one day keeping every promise, one day doing everything that they know they should do, and I mean everything that you know you should do, do it for a day, that's the way I need to be every day. If I was that way every day, my life would be unrecognizable. Like I said to you at the start of this, I'm not up against anything. I'm not up against society. I'm not up against media. I'm not up against, I'm only up against myself. People tell me what can be done. I'm either going to listen to that or I'm going to go beyond that. People tell me what can't be done. I'm either going to listen to that or I'm going to burrow in and find a way. But ultimately, it's always, 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 always going to come back to me. I can relate to that so much. There's been times where I set my alarm and I hit snooze and I go back to bed and I don't get up. And I notice every time I do that, it makes the next day harder and then the next day harder and the next day harder. But that one time that I do get up early or I get on time for my alarm clock, it starts to build on itself. And then the next day and the next day, and then it starts to become easier. Right. I mean, imagine you broke your word to other people as much as you do to yourself. You'd be the kind of person that you wouldn't hang out with. I don't want to say easy, but is there an easy way to get better at this? Yeah, there is, a, there is an easy way. You got to start You got to start relating to it like it's a muscle, like you're going to the gym or something. And, and I call it my integrity muscle. It's like, I'm going to start living my life like my words matter. You know, I make promises to myself. I don't mess with them. Some people hear what I'm saying and they're like, oh yeah, that's right, Gary. That's a good idea. I should be careful what I promise in future, right? No, I'm not saying that either. I'm saying, look, make some bold promises. Get out beyond yourself and then hold yourself to them. Most people in this world of ours, they're struggling to make a living. They're struggling, you know, to make, you know, 300 bucks a week. And it's, that's a hard life. And all of their thoughts and all their attention and all their skills are all focused on solving that $300 a week problem. So every waking moment, you have the problems in, on your mind that 300 bucks a week would give you. And for the most part, you'll find you'll just about solve it. And then you might start expanding a little bit, like, well, how do I get a promotion and get up to 380 a week? Because that would be good. And so you give your life and your thoughts to solving that problem. And then after a few years at 380, you're like, you know, I need to make a break here for something. I think I could make 600 a week if I got a job doing that. And you give your life to that. What if your problem is two grand a week and you had to solve it this week? Well, you had to just solve that this week. Like that was, and it's a, that's a big chunk of money for most people, like a big, uh, some people don't make that in a month. But what if like your every waking hour was to producing that? How would you do it? And the first thing you'll notice is all the shit that you already know that makes no difference. You'd have to start engaging with a different kind of thinking. You'd actually have to invite a different set of problems into your life, like the two grand a week problem, which is a big freaking problem if you're only making 300. 
Most people's answer to that, by the way, is do more of what I'm currently doing or some fantasy. Going to start renting out condos. Dude, you got 10 bucks in the bank, right? So it's always like one ended. I see, I'll work a bunch of overtime and maybe get another job, which is more of what I'm doing, or some fantasy. Not like, no, I got to put myself in the place where, are in the places where $2,000 a week is what people do. Let's take a quick break and hear from today's sponsors. Hey everyone, it's Patrick, your host of Millennial Investing. Every year, my buddies and I do a guy's trip to escape the cold and dreary Ohio winters. Once we pick our destination, without fail, we all jump on Airbnb and find an incredible place to stay. We just got back from an amazing trip in Palm Springs, California, and our Airbnb home was a huge part of creating memories we'll never forget. I loved it so much, I'm taking my family back to Palm Springs for spring break, and we're staying in an Airbnb home my kids fell in love with and picked out themselves. While I was there, I had the realization that my own home could be an Airbnb. It's an excellent way to earn some extra cash, whether you're saving up for your next vacation, paying off some bills, or investing. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. That's airbnb.com slash host. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting fundrise.com slash millennial investing. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at fundrise.com slash flagship. This is a paid advertisement. Hey guys, the Range Rover Sport leads by example. It's got powerful on-road performance and commanding all-terrain capability and combines assertive on-road performance with the signature Range Rover refinement that you'd expect. The third generation Range Rover Sport is the most desirable, advanced, and dynamically capable one yet and redefines sporting luxury. It's got advanced cabin technologies such as active noise cancellation and cabin air purification, which offer new levels of comfort and refinement. The purposeful cockpit-like driving position sets the tone for a focused interior that promotes exhilarating driver engagement. Award-winning Pivi Pro infotainment is at the heart of the experience and provides intuitive control of the vehicle systems. You can also enjoy a dynamic drive in total comfort with optional 22-way adjustable heated and ventilated electric memory front seats with massage function. Design your Range Rover Sport at LandRoverUSA.com. That's LandRoverUSA.com. All right, back to the show. There are so many things in there that you just said that I absolutely love. One of my favorite things is when you talked about keeping the promises to yourself like you would to somebody else. And that's this this whole time I've been thinking about that, and it's it's so true that if you tr- if you treated other people like you do yourself in terms of promises, you wouldn't want to be around yourself. You're like, I'm not hanging over that guy. He never does anything that he says he's going to do. He like says this, and he does something else. That's really interesting, and I think if if millennial investors who are you know still early in life, if they can learn that now and apply that now, the rest of their life is going to be completely different than the trajectory that they're on now. 
This is a tough time to be a young person, right? But for different reasons than it was to be a young person in the 40s or the 50s or the 60s or the 70s or the 80s. And they all had their own complexities for being a young person, you know, for being somebody who's at the be- you know, the beginning part of your adult life. It's very challenging. These are very challenging times. But again, not for the same reasons as everybody else. But I would say to people, you know, I mean, I have three young sons. My oldest is 14. My youngest is actually five today. One thing I want to instill in my kids is that, first of all, like that they have a big heart. They have a lot of compassion for other people, okay? And that's important to me that my children are compassionate, maybe even more compassionate than most people are. But it's also important for my children to realize that the cavalry ain't coming. Nobody's coming to save you. There's, you're not going to get the breaks. Luck's not going to come your way. Um, if you want to make great things happen in your life, it requires you to be great. It requires you to do great things, to be what I consider to be an extraordinary human being. That is somebody who produces extraordinary results. You have to first embrace your own ordinariness. What makes extraordinary people truly extraordinary isn't some character trait. It's that they're ordinary people doing extraordinary things. That's what makes them extraordinary. They first embrace their own humanity. And I guess that's what I want a lot of people to get. You're the one. You know, the stuff that you complain about or you want change, that you want to be different, it's you. That's why you're having the thoughts about it. And I know we often look, you know, on television and radio and we look to others to step up, but it's, but it's on you because it can be challenging presenting people with something that they don't want to hear. But then I always come back to the same thing. But that's what I'm here for. Like, I can't back off that. I'm here to give people something that wakes them up to their potential, get out in their life. And I know it's not always easy. And I know it might be easier for some people rather than others. And that's just how it goes. And if it's harder for you, that means the upside is just going to be that much greater. Right. And, and if, look, even if it is harder for you, so what? So what? I mean, if I look at my own childhood and, you know, how that went and growing up in Scotland and the neighborhood that I was raised in, it was tough, man. And a lot of kids just never managed to break out of it. And that I did doesn't make me special. And and it's kind of sad that some people might think that it does because there's nothing special over here. I'm as ordinary as an ex-human being. In fact, I might just be an example of what's possible for an ordinary human being. And that's what I want all people to get. Like, you have a tremendous capacity for life. If you finally took yourself on, you might surprise even you. I recently read Damon John, who's the shark on Shark Tank's book, Power of Broke. And it reminds me of this idea of, he talks about how if it's harder, that's actually a benefit for you. If somebody has it easy, then maybe they're not going to feel motivated enough to actually go out there and make change. Whereas if it's going to be hard, you have to be motivated and that's the only way you're going to get it done. Right. Which, so he, I mean, there's a lot of accuracy in that. There's a lot of value in being motivated by something, okay? Being motivated to get out of something. Where a lot of people get stuck is they get resigned because it's not moving fast enough or that it just seems impossible, like they'll never get out of it. And 
what I like to say to people, it's it's not necessarily about getting out of it like there's a day when you're out of it. It's about the kind of life you get to live by taking that on, right? It's about who you get to be, the kind of human being you get to be, the kind of who you get to be in your family, who you get to be in your community, who you get to be in your city, in your world, by being the kind of human being that you're willing to embrace a big life. You get to know yourself as somebody who you're up to things and you're making a difference and that you're, you matter and that you, you have a say rather than just joining in with the slipstream of everybody else trying to make it in the hope that one day it all turns out. If you were to boil down everything you've written and discussed over the years, what is the number one piece of advice that you'd give to a millennial who wants to invest in bettering themselves and to really take control of their future? Your future is not the answer to the present. So if you're miserable right now and you're working on things, here's what you'll find. You'll get there and you'll be wealthier and just as miserable, right? Because the problem is it's still you. If you were to ask, particularly people that are pursuing uh, financial success, whatever that might be, it's a moving target, but let's say it's a million dollars or $10 million or whatever. If you were to ask them, well, how come you're doing it? What's it really all about for you? Like, who would you get to be when you did it? And people usually say much the same thing. Usually say something like happy, content, or free. So that is my pursuit of the money. The money kind of like I've identified that number as happiness or contentment or freedom for myself. So I invite people to practice things like joy. And I really mean it. Right? Or practice being satisfied, or practice being powerful. Practice it. Like, okay, if I was being powerful right now, what would I do? Well, I probably wouldn't sit here watching Netflix. I might go over the laptop, do a bit of research, make a couple of phone calls. That's what being powerful would do. Now, in my mind, I've equated $10 million with being powerful, but I could actually be powerful right now. I use the future as a way to inspire life, not have it hanging out there like something I'm putting the rest of my life on hold for. Like one of these days I'm going to be happy. No, I'm, I'm interested in, in how to use the future as a way to enliven the life that I've got, right? Like bring something to life in my life. The future isn't about fixing yourself. The future is about bringing something to life. You have this tremendous amount of power with yourself. Like to be who you say you want to be and, and ultimately do what you say you want to do. I really hope my audience here is, is taking everything you said and really processing it. If you have to go back and rewind two times or three times and re-listen to it, I recommend you do that because if you guys take what, he, what Gary's telling us today and really apply it in your life, your life is going to be very, very different from, from where you're heading now. So highly recommend doing that. And if you want to learn more about Gary... Where, where can people go to find more about you and all the things that you have going on? You can go to my website, garyjohnbishop.com. I also recommend, you know, join me on Instagram. Uh, one of the things I'm really committed to is that people get, you can develop yourself without it costing you thousands and thousands of dollars. So, uh, you know, I like to give a lot of free stuff away and, you know, and I write subjects and I talk about subjects and I 
I put little quotes out there and I explain them and you know, I allow people to really think about their lives in new ways. So you can join me on Instagram, on Facebook, on Twitter. And, I, and I'm very active online. I'm really interested in connecting with people, you know, because authentically my life is about empowering others. That's it. Like I said, guys, go back, listen to this episode again, listen to it two or three times, and I'll be sure to put links to all of Gary's resources, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, his books, everything will all be in the show notes. I highly recommend going to check it out. Gary, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. It's been my pleasure. Good luck with your show. All right, guys. That's all I had for this week's episode of Millennial Investing. I'll see you again next week. Thank you for listening to TIP. To access our show notes, courses, or forums, go to theinvestorspodcast.com. This show is for entertainment purposes only. Before making any decisions, consult a professional. This show is copyrighted by the Investors Podcast Network. Written permissions must be granted before syndication or rebroadcasting.